This is a message of hope. It's not a message of despair. Uh, I'm going to be talking about human trafficking this morning, and the first part is heavy and hard. Um, But uh, we serve the God who created this beautiful world, and we serve the resurrected Jesus. And there's no room in this conversation for despair. And so we're going to be talking about heavy things, then we're going to look at Scripture. My hope this morning is that God will meet you right where you are, that he will speak very clearly to you, that he will uh, set you free from whatever is holding you back, and, and, and that you'll be inspired then to be agents of hope and healing in the world. Um, so that's the intention. So please don't get um, despaired at the beginning here, um, but let's, let's power through, and you're going to come out on the other side with a lot of hope. Um, the last thing I have to say is that I need about eight hours but I only have about 30 minutes. So this is, uh, I really can't cover everything that needs to be covered. There's a lot to this conversation. So let's just, let's just dive in, all right? Um, like I said before, I was a missionary in, uh, to Thailand for seven years. And that's where slavery found me. Uh, we lived very close to what's considered to be one of the largest sex tourism spots in the world, fueled by human trafficking. It really woke me up. And in the process, it also woke up the global Free Methodist Church. And the Free Methodist Church, for about the last 10 years, has been moving uh, very quickly towards some significant engagement in addressing human trafficking, modern-day slavery. And, of course, I can't cover all of that, but just to give you a little bit of background, uh, I'm a Free Methodist missionary to a problem, not to a place. And Dee Dee and her family are missionaries to a place, and also a bunch of problems. Uh, <laughs> um, so just to give you that, that little bit of context. Um, well, in our world today, there are at least 40 million slaves. These are people who cannot walk away. They're doing things they don't want to do, and they're under the threat of violence. These are not people making $1 a day and going home, or $2 a day and going home. They have no choices. These are real slaves that, that are, are, again, they're under the threat of violence. They're doing things they don't want to do. And, um, and, and it's, it's, it's an epic, uh, problem. It's a global problem. It's really all over the world. Um, and it's, it's not only a, a problem of a moral failure and laws and law enforcement, but it's a business. It's a $150 billion U.S. dollar a year business. So it's a huge criminal money-making business that really is in just about everything we use. This is why we need eight hours. Because human trafficking is in domestic labor, commercial sex, restaurants and hospitality. It's in factories and manufacturing. It's in construction and landscaping. It's in agriculture and forestry. It's in our cupboards, our closets, our kitchens. It's across the street. It's around the corner. It's on the other side of the world. And so how do we know what to buy? How do we know what not to buy? How do we know where to go to have a dinner, where not to go? Um, this is, th- there's a complexity to this um, because it is such a huge business. And, and we need to approach it in a variety of different ways, certainly with law and, and laws and law enforcement and education and awareness, but we also need to have good business solutions. Now, um, in the U.S., there are somewhere between 100 to 300,000 domestic minor sex trafficking victims. That means they're U.S. citizens, they're minors, they're under the age of 18, and they're involved in commercial sexual exploitation. 
But um, if you add to that number those who are over the age of 18 and those who are involved in labor trafficking, which is statistically larger, uh, I'm going to guess that there are probably a million slaves in the United States. And I don't know what the statistics are for domestic minor sex trafficking victims in the United Kingdom, but I would think it would be fairly close to this same number. I've got some stats about the UK coming up. Um, in, in Iraq, just to give you two, two pictures, in Iraq, the war in Syria, not the war in Iraq, but the war in Syria displaced about three million people. Um, and, and, and it just created this huge upheaval in that northern part of Iraq. And our, our missionaries, our missionaries in Iraq, Free Methodist missionaries in Iraq, are working with about 140,000 refugees in these refugee camps. And there's, there's no, no jobs, there's very little education. Kids go to school for four months out of the year because there aren't enough teachers and there aren't enough schools. And so that just creates this incredible desperateness uh, with, the, with the children and the youth. Um, when ISIS came into Iraq, they took about 7,000 women as sex slaves. And those kids are, I mean, those children, those women are starting to come back to that area now that ISIS has been defeated. But, of course, their families won't accept them. So what do you do with all of these women? What do you do with all these refugees? This is a big, big problem. Uh, Iraq is in the top ten in the world for human trafficking. It's one of the countries with the worst problem. Now, in the United Kingdom, um, in 2017, there were 5,147 cases of human trafficking. Now, those are known cases. Those are not what we don't know. Those are what we know. So certainly that number is much, much, much higher. Now, among those cases... Uh, 116 nationalities were represented. So there's there's a lot of trafficking happening in the United Kingdom that involves all sorts of people from all sorts of places in the world. Uh, in the United Kingdom, labor slavery is the is the the significant problem more than sex trafficking, labor trafficking. Um, and so when you stop and you think, well, what's going on in Cornwall? Is there human trafficking in Cornwall? You've got to look at what's going on with labor. Are there, are there agriculture people moving in for seasonal work? Is there, is there slavery in the, um, in the tourism business? I'm sure that there is. I'm sure that there's slavery here, but you've got to look for it. Uh, the, this last statistic is the one that's most concerning to me, and that is that um, between... 2017 and 2018, there was a 66% increase in the trafficking of children in the United Kingdom. So children are being specifically targeted and trafficked. That's, that's where there's a big, big problem in the United Kingdom. And it's not just the United Kingdom, it's other, other countries as well. Uh, children and women are among the most vulnerable. And children in particular are being targeted in your country as well as my country. And, and specifically to fuel pornography. Pornography is big, big business. And child pornography is growing at just this rapid, rapid uh, rate. And it's a big problem. Now, all of these statistics are numbers, but every number represents a human being created in the image of God. Every one of those numbers is a 
mother or a son or a daughter or a cousin or an aunt. And the real question is this. The real question is, what is her, what is her value? How much is she worth? That's the real question. We need to, we need to bring humanity into this. These are not just numbers. These are human beings. How much is she worth? And the answer to that is she's worth more money than has ever been printed in the history of the world. She, you cannot put a number on her. She is created in the image of God. She has dignity and value. And it's just not wrong and it's not just bad. It's evil. It's evil to buy and sell and control another human being for profit and or pleasure. And so as God's people, I know I'm speaking to the choir here, as God's people, we say, no, this is wrong. And we want to address this problem everywhere we can in any way that we can. Now, we have to back up and start asking some other questions. Is this a problem or a symptom? And what creates human trafficking to begin with? What creates vulnerability? This is where it gets really overwhelming because any injustice we name creates vulnerability. So domestic violence in the home, drug and alcohol abuse in your community, homelessness, poverty, racism, gender inequality, like I was talking about in Iraq, uh, an, an upheaval in society. All those things create a vulnerability and create an opportunity for people to be preyed upon and people to be trafficked. Um, so this is where it gets re- really overwhelming because not only am I challenging you and inviting you to help end human trafficking, but I want you to help solve every injustice on the planet. The good news of that is, is that when you are visiting the lonely, when you're loving the unlovable, when you're caring for the poor, when you're speaking out against racism, you're actually indirectly speaking out and working against human trafficking because you're, you're addressing a vulnerability. Uh, and, and a good case of point is this picture. So this picture is from Bulgaria where Dee Dee lives, and these, there's these three beautiful girls here. And um, the Roma are darker skinned than me, uh, and the Bulgarians uh, don't really like the Roma, the gypsies. And there's, there's ex- incredible prejudice against them. And they're forced to live in these sprawling slums without health care opportunities, job opportunities, educational opportunities. And that creates a vulnerability. And so um, when, a, when a family has a baby girl... They rejoice because they can at some point sell that girl and buy a horse. And you can use a horse for livelihood, which is happening in this picture. Here's some Roma men with a horse and a wagon, and they're either going to get products to sell or they've just done the selling, whatever. They're using that for a business. And here are these vulnerable girls just sitting on the side of the road. Those vulnerable girls are vulnerable because of poverty and racism. When I was just in Bulgaria, um, Pastor Lupcho, who's the pastor of this village that is about 14,000 Roma on the outskirts of, of, a, of a Bulgarian city, he said that every three days a girl disappears. They don't know where, they don't know where she goes. They don't know where they go. Um, thank God that that church in that Roma village is addressing this problem. And they're rising up and saying, how do we protect our youth? How do we protect our youth? And the other question is, is this a problem or a symptom? And that's a really important question. Because sometimes we address 
symptoms as if they're problems, or problems as if they're, they're symptoms, and we completely miss. We completely miss, and nothing changes. Nothing gets better. So we really believe, we really believe that human trafficking is a symptom. It's not a problem. It comes from some place. There's something underneath it. And, 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 and not only human trafficking, but also poverty and racism, they're symptoms of something else. And so we do need to address the symptoms, but we need to dig down deep and dig up the roots. When I was in Thailand, uh, we lived in a, in a village, and at one point, um, the village owners came in, and they cut down some banana trees, and they, they burned the ground where the banana trees were, but they didn't dig up the roots. And about three months later, the banana trees started coming back up again. We've got to dig down into the roots. We've got to find out what the problem is. And, and we really believe that human trafficking comes from the problem of broken relationships. That relationships are broken between us and God and us and each other. They're broken between men and women, the rich and the poor, different political parties, different religious organizations. There's this incredible brokenness in relationships that then becomes not just one-on-one brokenness, but community brokenness. And then systems are created to reinforce that brokenness, and then entire cultures become broken. And only God can heal the brokenness. You know government isn't going to heal the brokenness. And we know education isn't going to heal the brokenness. But we as the church, as the bride of Christ, we have this opportunity to be agents of hope and healing in the midst of the darkness and the brokenness centered on Jesus to be a healing force in our world. And so we've come to the conclusion that we really have to do two things simultaneously. We must both serve with compassion at the margins and work to bring hope and healing to broken communities. We need to do two things. We need to address homelessness. We need to speak out against racism. We need to try to fix the symptoms and the systems. We need to free slaves. We need to do all sorts of things like that. But we can't just do those things. Because those things are symptoms. We've got to work to bring hope and healing to broken communities. We've got to be agents of hope and healing. And so the Set Free Movement was established about 10 years ago to, to really do these things. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the, the things that happened for me, I was a missionary in Thailand. I came back to the United States. And I asked the question, who's going to help me in my small town to end human trafficking in my town? And the answer was nobody. Nobody. There's great organizations out in the world doing great things to address human trafficking, but they're not going to help me in my small town. And I I would suspect that's probably the same for you too. Who's going to come and help you? And so what we um, really wanted to do was create an organization that would pursue a process that would then dig down deep and, 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 and find solutions within our individual organizations. Now, the question is, how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this incredible 
problem in the world, this, this distressing, despairing information. And my answer to it is that we need to name, we need to rename reality over and over again. We need to talk about what is real. And there's, human trafficking is real. Human trafficking is a reality. But there's another reality. There's another reality that I think is a bigger reality, and that is that we serve an amazing God. And so our response to the despair in the world is to worship. That's our response. Now, worship includes lament. Worship includes weeping flat on our faces, and it includes celebration. But more than anything else, worship forms and informs us. And it aligns our lives with the Holy God. So we respond in worship. And so here's this great psalm, Psalm 113, that says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations. His glory over all the heavens. You know, last night when we were sleeping, people in Korea started to worship the Lord. They woke up Sunday morning. And they went to church. And they started worshiping the Lord. And then Japan. And then parts of China. And then it moved. It moved into Southeast Asia. And then it's just been moving. The sun has been moving. And all the time that the sun has been moving over these last many hours, people have been rising up and filling Worship spaces with praise and adoration and focusing on Jesus and bringing their, their, their problems and their worries and their joys to Jesus. In just a few, uh, in just maybe another hour, my wife will wake up in Seattle and she'll get ready for the day. And a few hours later, when I'm out for a walk after lunch, she's going to be going to church. There's this, this 24 hour cycle of worship that happens on Sunday. And it's powerful. The psalm goes on. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. You know, God is enthroned and exalted on high, but he stoops down. He doesn't have to, but he does. He stoops down. He listens to you. You. He listens to you. He loves you individually, and he wants to care for you. He doesn't need to do that. He's mighty, but he does. He stoops down, and he lifts us up, and he lifts the slaves up. And he rescued the children of Israel and he came as a baby and he died on a cross to rescue us. So in the midst of the despair, in the midst of the joy, we come and we worship him and we want to align our mission, what we are living for. We want it to be what God wants us to do. So we respond to all of this in worship. Now, The set-free movement seeks holistic freedom. We want to see people set free physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It's not just one thing. It's all of those things. 
And this morning, I, I just I want to express to you that God wants to set you free from your sin, from your shame, from whatever it is that's holding you back from serving Him. He wants to set you free. And, and we want to seek that holistic freedom in order to create new futures and end modern slavery. Not just one thing, but, but you know, not just end it, but create all hopeful alternatives. And we do it through community-based action in partnership with others. So we create community teams that then address community problems. And we now have about 50 teams in nine different countries. And I want to, I want to just tell you a few stories. Um, this is our team in India, and this is, this is our leader right here, Nayan. Nayan, um, has been involved in anti-trafficking work for a long time. He worked for, uh, a free Methodist organization called International Child Care Ministries, and he effectively did an education and awareness program in a big part of India. He went to every village, every school, every hostel, and he educated about the dangers of human trafficking and really statistically shut it down. Human trafficking really, really decreased dramatically in that area. Well, we brought him onto our team, and last January we were visiting with Nyan, and we were talking to him about all the things he was doing and all the things that he could do. And one of the things that he talked about was that on Saturdays and Sundays, when the weather's nice like it is today, Everybody goes and plays cricket. So let's play cricket and talk about human trafficking. So this is a set free movement cricket team. And, um, and when the weather's nice, they go out and they play cricket in the direction of freedom. And they've got different teams and they go and they play and they talk about human trafficking. And then they talk about Jesus as well. This is one of our teams. Uh, our team in Seattle is really involved in foster care. So in the U.S., about 70% of people involved in prostitution were at one point foster children. And so they saw a direct correlation between caring for foster kids and caring for foster families and helping to prevent human trafficking. And they do a wide variety of things. They have a, a meal once a month for foster families free of charge, and foster families come, and the adults learn about an aspect of foster care, and the kids go off and they play, and they do you know age-appropriate activities. Um, this team loves on the social workers in the area and gives them fair trade chocolates and flowers and gift cards, and, um, and they do a wide variety of things. One of the things that they do is they do a, a one-year conference, a conference once a year for girls and it's an all-day event where the girls come and they, they, they hear inspiring stories. They do crafts. They win prizes. They get their nails done. They, they get their hair cut. They, all sorts of things happen. And I love this picture because of the hope that's radiating off of these young girls' faces. So that's another thing that our teams are doing. Um, this is our, uh, our leader, Ashley, on the left with a bunch of Kenyan young women in Nairobi and Ashley's there just temporarily to work with these young women in an organization called Thrive, and they're addressing gender-based violence um, and, and trying to communicate and educate in the community about stopping gender-based violence because that makes people vulnerable to human trafficking. And then this is Marta, and Marta's in Spain. We've got new work in Spain. We've got great work in Hungary. And as you've been hearing, we've got 
fantastic partners in Bulgaria. Um, and the thing that's really, I just want to emphasize this before I go on to another scripture, but I want to emphasize this, that what's happening in Bulgaria is beautifully holistic. There's racial reconciliation happening. There's leadership development happening out of that racial reconciliation. 35, just, like I'm just blown away, 35 churches planted in four years. Really? That's amazing. A safe home for vulnerable girls, an agriculture project to feed the hungry. Those things are all, are all fantastic. They're amazing. But there's one other thing that is happening that's getting down into the roots, and that is a culture is changing. Not only are good things happening, but there's transformational change happening. There's transformational change happening where the cultural values are changing. And that, that is incredible. And that's not something that's tangible. You can't see that. You can't name it. You can't take a picture of that. But that's what's happening. And that's what we want to happen. That's what we want to happen is transformational change. Now, I want to share another scripture briefly with you. Do you have your Bibles or your phones? Can you look with me in Ephesians chapter 3? I don't want to, I don't want to uh, spend a long time looking at this, but this is a really foundational passage, and I think it's a good place for us to, to wind down. Um, Ephesians is a book in two parts, basically. It's a book in two parts. The first part is what we believe, and the second part is how we live based upon what we believe. And right in the middle is a hinge that moves us from one thing to another. This is beautiful prayer for what the church should be. And this is foundational for us in the Set Free Movement. And it's foundational um, for churches. I mean, this is, this is a really, really powerful prayer. So this is Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to read through it. And I'm going to stop and look at each line. Um, and, and just kind of talk about it. So Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It begins with community. It begins with family. We're all part of the family of God. And it goes on. Verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, he's got these incredible riches. He wants to strengthen us with power through the Holy Spirit. Why? Why does he want to do that? Why does God want to pour out his riches and strengthen us with power? And and he answers that question in, in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. We must be centered on Jesus. Jesus is the one who sets captives free. Jesus is the one who produces racial reconciliation. Jesus is the one who plants churches. Jesus is the one who leads us. We center everything we do on Jesus. 
so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What does God want from you? What does God want for you? He wants you to be filled up with his presence. He wants you to be filled up to the very top with the fullness of God. And he wants us to be rooted and established in love. Where I live in Washington State, (coughs) we have these great big trees in back of our house that when the wind blows really hard and the rain falls, the trees fall down because the root system is really shallow. But in Northern California, there are giant redwoods that are so big you can cut a hole and drive a car through. Their roots go down really deep and their roots wrap around the roots of other trees next to them. And the trees don't fall down. Even though they're huge, they don't fall down. That's how God wants us to be. Deeply rooted. Deeply established in love. And and he, he says, try to know the love of Christ. Christ's love is wide and long and high and deep. But in verse 19 he says, but you can't know it. Try, but you can't. Because there's too much. There's too much. And then he goes on. Verse 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God wants to do more than we can ask or imagine. And there's this power that is not outside. It's already here. It's in us. That, that verse really startled me a few years ago. I, I, I hadn't seen that. That this power to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine is in us. God has given us in this room all the power we need to live out his mission in this place. And we need to believe it. We need to believe it. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm not old enough, or I'm not young enough, or I don't have enough money, or I'm not smart enough, or I don't have enough education enough. Nonsense. Nonsense. God has uniquely gifted you to make a difference in the world. God has uniquely called you and given you gifts that are going to just do amazing things for his glory in your community and on the other side of the world. So don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Embrace the truth. Again, I want to define reality this morning. There's a problem with human trafficking, but we have solutions centered on Jesus. Now, notice that three times in these short verses, the author says we have power. Three times. Three times in this prayer, he says, You have power. You have power. You have power. You have power to do immeasurably more than you can even imagine. Rooted and established in love, centered on Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he ends the prayer the way he begins the prayer. There's a bookend. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. He begins by praying about how we're all one family, and then he talks about the generations. 
one of the joys of getting older is seeing young people rise up and embrace the mission of God. Our youngest leader, our youngest set-free leader, was 15 years old when she started. She started a club in her high school. I've got a whole bunch of 24-year-olds. There's a whole bunch of 30-year-olds and 50 and 60 and 70-year-olds that are involved in this movement. And it's exciting to see God taking a hold of the hearts of the next generation and raising them up. And Dee Dee's got great stories to tell because there's all sorts of young people rising up in this Roma community that are broken, desperately poor, but they want to make a difference in the world. And nothing's holding them back because they are centered on Jesus and they believe God can do all things through him who is giving them strength. God doesn't just free captives. God creates new futures. You know, there's a difference between emancipation and liberation. Emancipation means to set someone free, period. That's it. But liberation means to set someone free with the rights and responsibilities of citizenship. It's a difference. God doesn't just set us free. God sets us free to be citizens of the kingdom. We are, brothers and sisters, we're not waiting for the kingdom. It's here right now. It's right here right now. In all the power and joy and hope and healing and peace and abundance and flourishing that we could ever, ever hope for that we could ever imagine. It's right here, right now. And we simply need to embrace it and live in that kingdom. We need to live in that kingdom. You can find a lot more online. You can find out more at the table afterwards. I mean, I would love to see a set-free team start in Cornwall. I'd love to see your church and other churches embrace this and say, okay, let's figure out how, can, how we can be agents of hope and healing and, and find the vulnerable and protect the vulnerable in our community. Now, you, you may already be doing it. I mean, I think you probably are already doing it. But we would love to, to partner with you and, and, and be with you on that journey. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for today. We're thankful that you have given us food to eat today and clean drinking water. And we're thankful, God, for the sun that's shining outside, this beautiful world you've created. We're thankful that we have electricity and none of us will be killed today for our faith. None of us will be taken out in the jungle today and shot for our faith. And we're thankful, God, that you have blessed us abundantly. We're thankful that you, Jesus, have, 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 have come, you're among us. You are blessing us. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. And and Jesus, we want to be centered on you. We want to live out these verses. We want to praise you from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. We want to, to, to acknowledge that you are the king who doesn't need to, but you stoop down. And we want to worship you every second of our lives. In everything that we do, we want to be a people that just smell of 
and glow of worship. And we bring this problem, this, this, these issues of, of human trafficking and poverty, this incredible heartache. And, and, and God, we want to be on mission with you. We want to be agents of hope and healing. And we acknowledge that this is not about us, but it's about you, Jesus, because you, you are the freedom fighter. You are the redeemer. You are the one who sets captives free. So Jesus, we want you to be in the center of our lives, in the center of this church, in the center of this community. And we want to follow you into the brokenness with singing, with singing and praise, with hope and joy. And we want you, Jesus, to set the captives free. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.